Hi, this is Zohara with The Soloist, conversations on music, soul, education, life, and many things in between. I'm delighted to share with you today a conversation I've had with Moana Pearl. Moana is a culture activist, ritual maker, mother and dreamer of a new paradigm. She supports women to reclaim and remember their inherent relationship to earth, spirit and the sacred feminine. For decades, She has been involved with women's circle as facilitator, educator, and participant. This is how I first met Moana while I was doing a women's retreat many years ago. As a family counselor, menstrual educator, and community builder, her deep connection with the natural world is reflected in a grounded and compassionate approach To life's challenges. She offers programs for mothers and their adolescents' daughters to welcome young girls into womanhood, which I wish I'd had it when I was at that age. Moana offers workshops for women's personal development and mentoring. Inspired by the connection between psychology, physiology, and cultural influences, And the spaces in between, Moana provides a space for nurturance, authenticity, inquiry, and compassion. I trust you'd enjoy this conversation. Hi, Moana. Hello, Zohara. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I'm so happy we managed to find time with you, both of us. Me too. And uh, as I always say, uh, I think one of the things which I love about these podcasts, about these conversations, that I have no idea where we are going to end. But the truth is, I have no idea where we're going to start. <laughs> so it's completely in the hands of something which is bigger than me, bigger than you, bigger than us. And it's just play, just, we just play with this and you see where it goes. Just because I need to say something to start because why, why are you inviting Moana to talk apart from the fact that I have so much appreciation and respect to, to you and love. It's, um, I have met you many years ago, first time in a women initiation retreat. And then later on, we became closer in other areas Um, through my daughter, Noah, and, and so on. And one of the things which I always, from the moment that I knew I met you, I felt this, um, um, so hard to put it in words, but you had a presence with, um, with regard to womanhood, the sacredness of womanhood, uh, everything that goes around area that in my experience very few people very few women had an access and for me 
meeting you, seeing the way you work, talking to you was, wow, I was really at all. So I would love you to tell, just if you can feel it, it's enough for you to start a discussion to say, what brought you to this or what pulls you to talk? And the baton is yours. Thank you. Uh, I remember meeting you as well. And uh, there, perhaps it has to do with you as a musician and not because of what you do, but how you listen. And I think that is really the key for us as women, specifically. And I'll have to start with a little disclaimer, Zohara. Mm -hmm. I will make some gross generalizations about gender. And uh, I know that they cannot possibly be true and maybe even not right. Uh, nevertheless, for the sake of having this conversation, I may do that. And also my experience over the past 30 years is not only, but mostly working with women and young girls, women of all ages and young girls in uh, adolescent and puberty years. So that's where most of my research is. So I, I just want to name that because uh, I needed a little disclaimer there. Um, I just want to say, I just want to stop you to say, I love it that you're going to be, not, not trying to be right because I'm tired of being right. So thank yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> and it's so uh, finite. And this is, um, and some of what I'll say about the feminine doesn't necessarily mean only women. Uh, the feminine as the relational, as the interconnected, as the acknowledgement and capacity to recognize that that is, that is true and that we can attune to that. And, and many cultures have been born of the feminine, men and women, their whole worldview. Um, what attracted me to working with women? I, I think some uh, important women in my life attracted me to working with women uh, in the beginning, having a daughter, uh, being pregnant, the, the incredible rite of passage and experience of birthing. Mm. And I also was a, an assistant to a midwife for a year and watching other women through that passage and recognizing that there was kind of a gap. I became hungry to understand what is this other power, uh, force, capacity that is unrecognized often and certainly unvalued in our culture that women inherently possess. And how can we begin to tease it out, name it and value it? And, and because I felt so hungry for that, I'm in my early sixties. I was just in a time of you know, feminism 
and uh, luckily lots of books on uh, the sacred feminine and uh, not all of that is my thing, but from, I, I feel, I think it was a spiritual calling in the beginning and more than ever, I feel it's political and that's what keeps me. And, and I don't think that we have to make them mutually exclusive. Hmm. I think that as women, we see things in this interrelated sense. And therefore, we know that we cannot separate out the invisible, the, the needs for the earth, the needs for the future, generations into the future, the ancestors, and how do we address the system? Because we are ones who are better at seeing whole systems. How do we see the system? And, you know, I guess I, I'm not a musician, but I will say it's like uh, being able to hear the whole symphony and not just our individual part. Mm. And, and that's what is in us, but so often undervalued from a very young age, that kind of attunement and foresight that many women haven't developed it. Mm. I love the analogy to symphony because both are important to be able to identify, to recognize, to hear every single instrument, and maybe especially the one that has a very, very small role, maybe even the triangle that goes bang, and to know to wait for the next bang, just to be completely in listening and not to interfere with hearing the whole symphony. So it's almost like having an ear for this and an ear for that and how they interrelate. I just love it. Yes. Mm, okay. So how, how does this, um, Moana, um, please keep going. How, how does this, or where did it lead you to the next thing after what you, you explained, what attracted you, what made you be interested in this? What came next? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I think uh, in my personal life, a lot of drama <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then came the application of all this ideology and the need to ground that the need to maintain relationship to something invisible and to understand uh, power from a completely different lens. Not power over, not power that dominates, but power that is quietly underground like tree roots. How to work with that, how to harness that, how to trust that even when that's not what is recognized. Even when all we see is the truth we talk about is how it changes through the seasons uh, what is in the ground and what is our connection to the ground and our connection to what's invisible and i i really call on that to grow myself 
to understand how I ended up in such great dramas. And I, all along the way of my uh, individual journey, if you want to call it that, it was never individual. There were always women there, usually women a bit older, including my mother, who pointed in the right direction. They didn't take me there. They pointed there and trusted me to go there in my own way. And they really uh, modeled for me what, how strength can look in so many different ways. And that's where I started to see how this spirituality of women can translate into something so political and sociopolitical. And having a daughter made me increase my uh, questioning around our Western consumptive, individualistic, patriarchal culture and where do we begin to make change and kind of like go back to the analogy of the symphony I must yeah. make the change inside myself and how am I emanating that and encouraging that outside myself how am I living that so both yeah so you're, mm. like, yes, are you saying I have to learn to play the instrument to continue to maintain it, to tune it, to tune in and to, um, to bring myself on a daily, on a daily base to a mastery of, mm. of being close to the instrument and then how, or at the same time, it's not even end, at the same time, how to apply it outside. So mm. it's like, again, it's this circle, this goes, is this what you meant? Yes, and, and I think that until we somehow smell or, or taste a sense of what's, what, what is possible that women have naturally, and when we taste it and we see it, we know that it lives in us, maybe in a different flavor or in a different form, then we can begin to trust that. I think many women don't know where to go inside themselves. And we follow like a compliant and often resentfully compliant to a whole value system mm -hmm. of our cultural system that doesn't suit us. Often feeling like uh, we're caged or something doesn't sit right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help it but go um, go personal here. Because listening to what you said about uh, you had you had good women, you didn't say good, I'm saying good, women in your life, including your mother, that were pointing to you on the direction. And immediately I'm I, I it made me sad. I thought I did not have it. Um or maybe I had it and I did not recognize it. I didn't have the immediate influence of my mother, even though now as I'm getting older, I'm seeing actually that's what my mother said 
but I did not understand. But it wasn't, I, I never looked and I said, my mother was my role model. I could say that my mother was my role model or she was pointing in a few things. And then her mother, my grandmother, was much more the wild woman that I always wanted to be. So it's almost like skip generation. And I think the, one of the first times that I really looked at it is when I first met you in this uh, uh, women initiation retreat because your, your invitation to go into the mother's ancestors and just naming it made me realize that I cannot separate myself. I want to say it because I, I know this is quite um, common. Yeah, it is. It is common to my generation maybe to my generation, my culture generation, the people who came from East Europe, the people even who came from Israel, I, I'm sure other cultures too. But I did not know how to be a woman, not as I, as, as I learned later. So for me, the things that you mentioned that you were point, uh, your mother and other women pointed out, I went by reverse, I rebelled. I did everything the opposite because something in my body did not agree. But I had no idea what I'm doing. So I didn't have any pointer, not even counterpoint. And just, if this is A, I will go B. And many times in B, I didn't meet anything. So I had to go back at A and okay, I'll try C. Tiring, unnecessary, yes, drama. I know we need a bit of drama or maybe much drama, but so much of my actually early years, I don't want to say wasted because I'm sure that I'll find a reason why a reason and, and um, maybe their gift. But I listened to you and I said, I wish I would have the same. And I know that many women have got my experience or had my experience. Mm. What is your take on this? How do you see it? Um, a couple of things. I, I, I can't say any women came to me, held my hand and then pointed. Uh, it wasn't quite like that, so I'll debunk that myth. Uh, it was it was more that I saw women standing up in a uh, bold, assertive way that, though many would name it aggressive, only because they were women. Uh, were they that assertive and being men, especially in my generation, they would have been uh, confident and even sexy. So I, I started to get a sense and smell out assertive, uh, clear women and then watch them. So when I say they pointed in the direction, it's because they held that for themselves. And I started to notice that. I, I think that as I get older, I realize that that is my task. That is my responsibility to uh, stand up, to have a voice. And that is really my whole um, prayer and hope is that I can uh, support other women to find their authentic voice and step one in that often is a rebel voice that you spoke about mm -hmm. 
it is a voice against against something even often we don't know what mm. and that that is sometimes where we get stuck we get stuck yeah. in the against in what we're pushing against and all our energy is what is going towards and our attention to what we're pushing against and we can unite and we have united as women in our pushing against uh, oppression collective oppression breeds connection collective woundedness collective anger mm -hmm. and frustration and i think that that was a lot of the beginning of the women's movement if you want to call it that in the 1960s 70s and 80s is record you know being able to speak out of the the wrongs uh the lack of uh equality the lack of uh, women leadership and i think that we we've kind of moving past that it's a phase that we have to move past if we are not going to be leaders or uh, aggressive people of power then who are we going to be and this kind of defining is more questions than answers still i believe because we continue to ask them within the system that questions everything that that is about beyond questions undermines mm. and this is where i come to uh one of the central uh <laughs> i want to say themes it sounds ridiculous uh themes of my life but it's actually what i have spent a whole lot of my life doing <laughs> which is sitting in circle with mm. women and it is purely the architecture and the symbol of sitting circularly that is representative of a whole nother way of functioning that is the opposite of a triangle and a hierarchical system and that's where that's where i think we can begin to find something different a different way of functioning and we are informed by the circle itself by that architecture we're informed by the the void that is in the middle mm -hmm. the empty place kind of like the silence in between the musical notes You'd almost think I was a musician, right, Zahar? You are. <laughs> you are in your own way. <laughs> and and um, learning to listen, learning to listen, and making a different mark, recognizing that it takes all of us together. Mm. You know, physically making a different mark on the earth through something that is round mm -hmm. and changing literally changing our neural pathways of how we think and that is i think at the at the core everything is round mm -hmm. in nature all our cells everything is 
is round and has movement and spirals. And if we can understand, except for a, a moment, that we may possibly be animals. <laughs> you know, when I go to the airport and on the big sign on the door, it says no animals allowed. I'm thinking, <laughs> what, what do we think we are? Um, when we accept that we're animals, we're part of a, an entire system beyond our human socioeconomic system, mm. then we may learn to listen in that more circular way and create dialogue with the earth, with the invisible, with the future, with each other. I, I, uh, I have to believe in it, Sahara especially at this time right now. I have to believe in that because I, I don't think that the way this train is going mm. and has been going for many years has uh, really been of service to the multiple systems that we are a part of. So much in agreement, Juana. And before I become overly sad, maybe it's too late, maybe I'm over there, already there. I had a question um, regarding what you said um, a few seconds ago. You talked about circles, which I, in, in full um, understanding of them, because I'm, I've also been working a lot with circles, circles of children, circles of parents, circles of children and parents, circles of teachers, teacher trainers. I would admit less circles of musicians. <laughs> Interesting. I'm just thinking of the fact that you gave this analogy of the, the, the musician. I think, uh, no, I shouldn't generalize, but I, I, I'm meeting also musicians, especially the ones who are very used to perform solo or the performers that are listening it will not be their forte, but they always have a, a place, we can always have a place to um, become better. But think of, I'm thinking now where I want to, to take it is you talked about the circle and, and, and listening, the ability to, to listen or the need to listen in the circle. And I had this picture of where we know that society likes going and not just this, where the world is now, but the, the goal-oriented society, I mean, goal, I mean, the, the word goal, I mean, I had the word goal so many times since I grew up and I never knew what my goal was. I really didn't know what my goal was and I became, so I, I, I pretended I know and I made up quite the goals, just one goal and then another goal, another goal. And I never really felt that I'm going there. So when, when we talk about goals, we see the linear thing. We go in line, we're here and we have to get here. And I'm thinking of the, even the way and the tone of your voice that you talked about the circle and where the circle can take us as society. I felt this level of uh, calmness. I mean, you talked and there was, oh yeah, yeah. And then the, there came a voice. They said, yeah, but how do we know where we are going? And I don't, maybe it was my voice as well but it was the voice of the collective. What do you mean just sitting and seeing what come, uh, comes up? There's no time. 
And what I felt is, wow, what it takes is also a very um, deep, lev deep level of trust. Yes. I never thought of circle and trust before. It's the first time when you created this atmosphere, this energy in my body. And I said, I need to take one more breath and to trust before I tell them what to do. So how, how do you feel or how do you see? Because you've been working in this way for years, Moana. Yes. It's really been the core of your work, the core of your being. How do you see, how is this contracting power go in, in today's world or before? Do you see any improvement? Or what's your, what's your question? What's your answer to this? Mm. Or did you need to? Yeah, good question. Uh, and even when you say improvement, you know, I, I mean, I too, I'm so programmed yeah. to uh, direction. Um, that's the social context I've been raised in, the goal orientation, A to B, and getting an answer and being right at the end. And we run, we, it's very transactional. We have a question, we have an answer, it's finished. Mm -hmm. That's where it becomes finite. And we don't keep asking the questions. That's what keeps us alive, is that we keep asking, we keep listening. We don't get so certain. And that is very frightening. And that's where the trust comes in. Zahara. So it can be very mm. frightening. And, and have we, uh, what was the word you used? Have, have we grown? Have, have I seen change? Developed. What was the word? I, developed. I, I, I think what we have developed is as women through circling is more courage. Mm -hmm. And by courage, I don't only mean bravery, but I mean courage. Uh, I'm not a French speaker, but it comes from the word cour, which is heart. So more courage to trust our heart. And at the same time, what we don't normally in our general Western culture correlate with courage is vulnerability. We think when I don't feel so vulnerable, I'll be braver. I'll be more courageous. Mm. But to sit in circle is very vulnerable. And what we learn to trust is something bigger than ourselves. And my experience of doing that with women is that, and, and I've done it with women and men too, is that we start to deconstruct this idea of our individual self. Because to be an individual self who is on a hero's journey, who you know, has to become a superhero and define yourself and reach your goals is so exhausting and so lonely. And when we sit together and we realize, wow, actually I am growing through hearing and I can support the whole circle through my vulnerability and my courage. And then we feel a little more courage, I think, outside the circle. Yeah. 
we also start to take the principles of the circle into life. And that's one of those principles is trust. Trust that uh, I don't have to think about what I'm going to say and be prepared when I'm going to say something in a circle because the power of that circle and the moment will support me in a way that if I thought about it before I went there and I was just on my own, I couldn't quite get to. Mm-hmm. Something that happens in the collective that cannot happen as individuals. Yeah. I'm going to cut you here because something really interesting happened. As you talked about it, then the um, connection, the reception became bad. I don't know if you had it. It was just mm, <laughs> <so> <laughs> perfect timing. And I wanted to ask you, what did you say? And I said, no, it doesn't matter. They'll just sit and trust. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Moana, you asked, um, no, I, I'm asking. You said, you mentioned two things um, about not having an answer and or, and or keep asking the question. And also you mentioned the need or the, the, the need to be right or not to be right, which I, they are, I see them connected. With the first one, I remember as a child, um, I was always afraid that I will be asked the question because I will need to answer. So I was, um, many times, I was really hiding under, hiding under the table, uh, metaphorically speaking. When I was younger, okay. I was hiding behind my mother's dress because I didn't want people to ask me questions because they will want an answer. And what if I don't have an answer? Interesting, another thing which came as you talked is that when I was already a young woman, I think I had my two kids then. Yeah, I was a young mother already. And my mother asked me a question and I said, I don't know. And immediately there was like a, such a, a disappointing voice. What do you mean you don't know? I thought you're wise. And I immediately tried to find an answer to show her that, I'm, yes, I am, I am wise. Now I'm a little wiser because now I would say, because I'm wise, I don't have an answer if I'm wise, but I'm, I, I know that um, I was just saying yesterday we were talking with, uh, I was talking to a friend and I said, do you remember how when we were young, we knew everything? And now as we're getting old, we know nothing, less and less. And how does it feel? When you say not to be right, this is not just us women who grow older and feel it's okay. It's a societal thing, isn't it? Can you talk a bit, can you talk about it? Mm. A bit more? Yeah. Yeah, interesting what you were saying about when you were younger and not wanting to have to answer a question. Because in a uh, society that values all responses, we're not afraid to answer. But when there is one right answer or a list of acceptable and unacceptable answers, we don't want to answer, or we spend our lives finding the right answer so that we can be loved, accepted, uh, 
appear intelligent or wise. So um, yeah. it's, it's, I think, really one of our downfalls as a people is that we keep thinking that we are right, uh, that we know, and then we realize after, oh, no, we made a mistake. Okay, now this is what's right. Oh, no, this is what's right. So if we, and we only can measure what uh, is true by the limitations of what we can touch and measure. So there's a great possibility that we don't have the tools or even the minds developed to measure so many other things, or that there are things that are immeasurable and unknowable. And the beauty there is that we can start with a bit of humility instead mm -hmm. of the need to be right. And while we are rushing to the right answer, we will probably not be listening, listening in, inside and listening out. Um, I also, I, I am uh, excited about something you just said about uh, with your friend, how, and I had the same conversation with a friend this morning, was very funny, about how we knew everything when we were younger, and uh, we, we were sure. And uh, this is something that in the past couple of years really fascinates me especially working with women, is psychobiology or biopsychology, call it either way, uh, how we are so informed by our biology. And if you would have told, especially as women, because our biology really changes a lot more than that of men, which is the gift that we have, actually. <laughs> so many doorways to uh, asking questions. And that biology, if someone would have told me when I was in my 30s that 80% uh, of, of what I think and the way that I think is because of my biology, I would have absolutely rebelled on that and thought they were misogynist and limiting me but now I believe that more than ever and we are so biologically informed and it, it's fascinating so uh, you know a lot of indigenous cultures say we don't become a woman until we're 52 then we're fully a woman four cycles of 13 and that is generally about when we hit menopause, on, on average. When we are no longer in a particular biological loop of our menstrual cycle, our sacred menstrual cycle. Yeah. And all that wisdom, hopefully, has been gathered and internalized and starts to breed on the inside and yeah this this 
fascinates me, the biology that tells us when we're younger that we're certain. Our biology is set up for that so that we can have this forward motion and, uh, and to have goals and to, um, to be uh, blatantly certain of where we're headed. That's mm. uh, an important aspect that our biology affords us. And as we get older, we have enough inner substance to allow ourselves to be uncertain. Wow, it's beautiful. I didn't, uh, I never thought about this before. And I did not know that uh, we become women when, uh, after our 50. That, that sounds, I, I really like the sound of it because I know, uh, let's talk a bit about becoming old as older women, because I know when I became, when I started seeing myself as an older woman, I, I was terrified. At the beginning, I was terrified. I remember when I turned 50, I saw in my mind's eyes, I saw a gate and I felt that I'm actually invited to come and I did not want to go through this threshold. I just, held myself until I was pushed, but I was terrified. I had no idea. I just knew that to become old, and especially old woman, is not good. Again, what the, the messages that I got from, um, from my mother. And, and society, not just my mother, also society. And I remember that, um, I'll just try to say it in short, in, in short, not to have the whole story about it. I remember that at some point I said, okay, I'm here. I had to put, I had to go through the threshold. How, what am I going to do next? I looked around. I didn't see many role models, unfortunately, in my immediate neighborhood, in my immediate society uh, environment. So I was trying to look further, uh, uh, further um, away, um, like indigenous people, I found more indigenous people. I remember collecting pictures and so on. And one of the things which I decided then, if I'm going to, if, if I'm going to become an old woman, I'd better do it well. And well means that I'm going to lose control. I'm going to lose, not control. I'm going to trust that I'm going to be led where I need to, to be, which was again, not easy because then uh, the women at my generation in where I live then discovered, um, what was even before Botox, they discovered all this um, facelifting. And they said, we don't actually need to be, to be with um, our wrinkles. And they started look, look younger and younger and younger and less and less able to smile as well. And I said, I'm not going there. <laughs> and they were, I really felt that people are looking, women are looking at me like in, in not in a good eye as if I'm spoiling something for them and I'm less than, and it was really difficult to find the place in my society that says, if I'm an old woman, it's the first time I'm, I'm an old woman, let's do it. I would like to be an old woman, not an old woman that looks like a young woman. And I remember then throughout the years, I think it was quite until I came to this uh, women, associ uh, women association, women association, women initiation when I, where I met you, that I felt, ah, oh, here I can breathe into this. I remember always checking with myself, am I doing the right thing? 
because I did not see many women around me um, allowing themselves to become old women and celebrate it. Mm. So can you talk to this, Moana? Mm. Oh, yeah, it's such a, a big subject, Sahara. Mm. Um, yeah, if we don't want to become old women, then uh, what do we want to become? Perpetual adolescents. Um, is that who we want to uh, lead us, whether lead our businesses or lead our children or lead our governments? You know, this is the, the danger is uh, the unencumbered and the forever beautiful. It, it is the whole reflection of a society and so much of this is up now with the whole, our whole approach to this pandemic is we are so phobic of death. Mm. We are phobic of anything dark. Uh, we don't want to know about it. We don't know how to deal with it. And the more we push it away, the less mastery we'll have there and the less comfort we'll have. Death is our birthright. Death is our destiny. And it is <laughs> the, the largest portal that we will go through besides birth while in this form. To disregard death and you know we we love marriage we can't stand divorce we love the full moon we don't like the dark moon we love summer winter <laughs> is annoying unless it's very hot uh, um <laughs> you know that's kind of how we're focused we love uh, somebody who is uh, blossoming and the young woman and you know we love the virginal and we love uh the Madonna and we love the maternal and the always generous. We love the point of ovulation where uh, we have ovulation mucus and we are the harmonizers and that's who we are as women. And we use our relatedness to hold everything together and to fill in all the gaps. And we love that. And that's what we want to know about women. And that's where it ends. Mm. But older women, they have the capacity inside themselves. They have enough substance mm -hmm. to not be flag waving about something, but to listen, to understand deeply, to have a place where information lands and to, to sit more in themselves, to have a much broader view to make choices from. The, we have this um, idolization, romanticization of women, and they're, aren't they beautiful with all their wrinkles and how they age? <laughs> but white women um, or Western women? No, we don't want that. That's terrible. We have wrinkle free this and wrinkle free that and anti aging. The amount of money we've spent on that could feed half the planet, yes. really. Yes. And, yes. and if we're not going to, what we don't want to be is just elderly. 
What we do want to be is an elder. And because we have very little understanding and have had very few models of that, that aging just looks like a movement to decrepitude rather than making use of experience translated into wisdom. And I, I would like to be uh, an encouragement to women to embrace what is possible through aging, to really um, join the journey of time. We don't become a strong rainforest tree by staying young. We become that as we deepen and deepen and deepen. And look what we're doing. We're cutting down the old rainforest trees. We are so afraid of old things. We are afraid of death and dying. And there's so much we need to know there on how to live. And I, I really pray that as women, we, this is our moment of leadership. Prior to that, we are so busy with children and other people's children. We don't have a minute to think. Uh, this is our opportunity to really stand in leadership. And, and I have to bow to my mother here because at the age of 70, she endeavored into, uh, unbeknownst to her any time before, she endeavored into politics until mm. uh, this past year when she retired at 84. And I remember thinking when that happened, so 14 years ago, I was in my mid forties and I thought, I hope by the time I'm 70, I don't give a stuff about politics. I hope I no longer care. And now I feel very differently about it. Yeah. I, I feel very differently. I feel called to uh, be an initiator, to be a leader in some way, even if it's just how each of us lives our life. Mm. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Mm. It's such an important point. I mean, I, as you're talking, I'm having so many questions. I said, no, just let's just calm and just trust that the question that will stay there when when um, when you finish. I'll be with the. I'll stay in politics because I think that um, for many women that I know, politics is equated with uh, patriarchy, of course, because politics has been uh, occupied by mainly by patriarchy. So politics, not for us women, that's what they would say. And I remember when I started talking about politics and say, I don't mean this politics. I mean that we need to raise our voice. We need to sit in circles. We need, we need to lead, but not to lead, not like this, but we need to lead from within. And women said many times, but we don't have enough voice. It's not enough of us. Now this, I can easily be thrown in these places into, okay, let's do more, which I say, wait, that's not the way again. I have to admit it, I myself not always find the balance or I don't know if the balance is the word. I don't find the way of how I can work from my cronehood 
be completely uh, expressing what wants to come from my body and be because I need to be patient and patience is not always my um, my forte. Many times I'm becoming impatient or withdraw. You know, again, that's what I mean, this dance of, okay, I'll go and do it. Or, okay, I can't do it anyway. And I, when I hear all the things that I'm saying, I want to come with something that I can share with the women which I talk about. And I'm going back into the cronehood. In, in many women's circles which have been running, when I stand up and talk about becoming old, or even when I say the word crone, I can see how faces change. So many women, even in women's circle, circles, don't like to be called crones. So I'm thinking, okay, if we're talking not about going and changing the whole world, but starting from the small circles that we belong to, what would you say to this, Moana? <laughs> Uh, I believe, I may be wrong here, but it's my understanding that the word crone is related to the word crown. Yes. Crown as in the benevolent queen who doesn't, the benevolent matriarch, who doesn't become a queen because she wields a sword, but because she's been recognized and it's just a natural place because she has the wisdom and the overview. Yeah. I think that the hag, the crone, yeah. she's been given such a bad rap. Yes. She is the butt of many jokes. And I must say, women have trashed her just as much as men have trashed her. Absolutely. We have, this is the patriarchal view that has really damaged women and we have deeply internalized it mm -hmm. we spend way more time concerning about that we don't look old than actually trying to figure out how to become the crone mm -hmm. and you know i think you know the original meaning of the word virgin is woman whole unto herself mm -hmm. and i think cronehood I think cronehood is where we reach that and we reclaim something. And I think that is frightening to our culture because it defies that which is new, shiny, dispensable, instant gratification, uh, everything that we idolize in the realm of the youthful and the forever giving that's all we want to know about women forever giving forever blooming but actually there is so much there when a woman sits in herself in her older years and claims that and she's not to be messed with <laughs> and she knows what she knows even women are afraid of that yes because it's not acceptable it's not pretty it's often not nice and something you said a minute ago zahara about 
you know, jumping in with a sense of impatience, you called it, and then kind of flopping back and withdrawing to refill your own resource. I mean, it is a dance that we need to do. And I don't know, I would call it impatience, but there is a sense of urgency mm. and a fire that exists in older women that is, is the part that we're afraid of. It's not the wrinkles. It's that fire mm. that uh, I love um, David White, the sword that is so sharp, it cuts things together, not apart. And that is what the older woman, as she becomes herself, carries. And people are frightened of that. Women themselves are frightened of that. We haven't seen a lot of examples. And Mm. we become elders on our own, but we really become elders within a community when younger people respect us. So we can't claim elderhood in a vacuum. It's relational. And if women are afraid of getting older, they will shy away from that. It is the task of the older women to say, come along. This is good and it's getting better. And it's the task of the younger women to say, let me hear. Mm. So we know like in, any, in everything that uh, we, look, we look towards a change that is so needed and so needed now in our world. It's, we don't need all of us. We need just enough of us. And enough of us makes is less threatening because I don't need to look very far to say, yeah, but I need to see that all the women in the world are gatherings around this idea. I just need enough of us mean that I can find them close and then enhance the circle around me. Will this be, Moana, in your eyes, something which will be happened um, by example, like it needs to be led by example? Yes, and I think we can also introduce it in our educational systems. We can introduce it in our workplaces. Uh, There's a fantastic book by a woman named Christina Baldwin called Peer Spirit. Uh, Peer Spirit? Peer Spirit. And uh, where she's created a template. There's nothing new to it, but she's uh, packaged it beautifully, which is about sitting in circle where we bring everything from uh, mining interests and environmentalists and local farmers and government officials together to sit in circle. Mm. And where the circle becomes more important than any individual opinion. And we have to sit long enough to respect and trust each other and our common humanity, not just our ideas. And I think that the circle itself, I mean, even though my particular 
mode has been through circles with women, mm. I think the circle itself, we can incorporate it right in the beginning in our classrooms. We can do it in our families. We can sit mm. in a circle. Uh, we don't have to have the head of the table anymore. Um, <laughs> we, we can practice this. We practice it mm. in our business meetings. This is yeah. so, so, so important. And I think that will begin to change the way we think. And, and even to practice it, Zahara, within our architecture, because our external environments are so impactful in subconscious ways. Yeah. So if we build each new suburb as a circle with a, a central area, for people to gather. Wow. If, if we make our houses somehow a little bit more rounded, yes, it's uh, inefficient for our building materials. Well, we find more sustainable building materials because mm. those are the things that are informing us all the time. Every corner and every 90 degree angle instructs our mind in linear fashion. And when we live in an external environment in, a, in the nature, in an organic environment, nothing has that distinct shape repeated over and over again. So beautiful, so true. I, I don't see, um, I don't see it easy, but I don't, because again, when we look at uh, institutions, uh, if we look at educational institutions, and education, especially from young age, is very close to my heart. So in, in the workshops and in the work and in the music schools and the Suzuki schools that I'm running, we start sitting in a circle from a very young age. But when I brought it to the idea to some educational institute, they looked at me and they did not like the idea. There was too much change. So then I tried with elders. I did quite a few elder circles and this was magic magic men and women were sitting and first of all just talking really from the heart and saying i never believed i'm going to say all these things and i just even though i was more pulled to do an elders women elders so many men wanted to come and i said okay i have to listen and it was just beautiful it was just beautiful. so i i feel interesting i wanted to start from a young age and to take it up I personally did not have, I don't have uh, much success with this, apart from in my tribe. Mm. But with elders, with circles of elders, yes. And who knows, we could already see um, uh, in many news, we saw the relationship now between elders and children, because elder and children work so well together. Maybe it will come through, uh, through this. But I want to go back to the women thing, Nuana. Um, it's like, I want you to tell me something that I can take and tell it to my women friends. You said something about <laughs> shadow before. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. I thought you wanted some hope. Well, I was right. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wanted Moana. Um, I want, I want the truth <laughs> um, for her. I think this is really important business. 
sacred shadow. Uh, I, I think it really ties in, Zahar, with what you were saying before, even about becoming a crone or an older woman. That is relegated to shadow and darker material. And, you know, without light, uh, there is no shadow. A uh, shadow is indicative that there is light. And I think one of the shadows that we carry collectively as women is the hallmark of patriarchy, which mm -hmm. we have internalized, which is about collusion and competition, comparison. We all do it. We are trained in it uh, almost as if other women on some level could at any point be the enemy. And we do it to ourselves, competition, uh, the gossiping voice inside ourselves about ourselves. And that is, that is not what our nature is as women. Our nature as women is about community, communication, and connection. Mm. And I think that we have to catch ourselves in this comparative, competitive, and recognize that we have been trained generation after generation. And we have to retrain ourselves or detrain ourselves mm. um, into more self-acceptance, kindness, and inclusivity with other women, to not see that as a threat, because together is an opportunity for us, and apart is much more dangerous. And that's on a physical level. You see, one little girl says, can I go to the toilet? And all the girls want to go. And my theory about that is that once upon a time, we never went off to uh, dig up the fruits and the roots by ourselves, because women alone, physically, we are different men. And we need each other around. We need each other to help with each other's children. We need each other because uh, we all carry different aspects of the feminine. And what is it in each of us, and this is each of our personal task or homework really, to keep asking, what is it that holds women only that close into the depth of the truth, into the depth of me? How do I let myself have all of me and how do I make bridges? And if I'm not sure, I'm going to have to have the courage to step a little further, to take a risk, to find who is my, my tribe. But we are so busy blaming the patriarchy for oppression, but actually we, are the ones who perpetuate that kind of rift between women. 
And if we are going to create a different system, and I don't mean one where women dominate men or dominate the masculine aspects of life that are necessary. I mean one in where at least women can find themselves. We're going to need each other. We're going to need role models, but also we need each other's breath, each other's smell. We need each other on a, on a real animal level. We are herd animals. Our biology informs us when we have babies, we're not like a turtle baby that has to find its way to the water and hope <laughs> the pelican doesn't get us. If we left our baby, our baby would die. That's an information about who we are as people and specifically who we are as women because we have the milk. Mm. We have to listen to that. We, we need each other and we need to support each other. And what keeps us from doing that? What ideas do we have that say that isn't true or that that could be dangerous or that will be judged there? It's way more harsh to be judged by another woman than to be judged by some misogynist because we can say, oh, there's another misogynist. But to be judged by another woman, ouch. Mm. Which is so true, which brings me to the question. I know that you're working mainly with women, women's circles and with women. The world is made of women and men. And we were, you were talking about hope, that you, you don't want to lose, lose hope about the situation of the world. So do you, from your point of view or from what your niche of work, your work is with women, uh, taking into account that the women will bring it then to outside of the circle and will work with men? Or do you, I suppose what I want to ask, <clears throat> do you think that just by women working on what women need to work, it will create a change? Or then that they need to be taken out and do the work together, outside, and do the work together? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, what I can say is that as women uh, ask questions, find their voice and grow within themselves, that will change their relationship to their sons, that will change their relationship to themselves, which will be a different model to other men and women. And it will change their relationships to their partners if they're in hetero relationships and i think it it spills out i mean we are the birthers we carry all the eggs we are the matrix we are the creatrix from where everything else every human came through a woman True. so as we change this isn't about superiority but Every man on the planet came through a woman. Mm. So as, as we change as women, as we change how we think, it changes everything in us. Mm. And I think that will translate. I don't know how 
men's business will transform mm -hmm. male society or the patriarchy. But I trust circle. And I think that's where that also needs to start. Mm. When, when we go to war, we don't go in a circle. We go in, we go in lines, usually pointed like some biological proboscis that I won't mention. So, uh, you know, there's a, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name now, a brilliant man who uh, was a war veteran. And he started an organization called Decruit. For, mm -hmm. for the army, they recruit people. Yeah. And his, his organization is called Decruit. Mm. And he talked about what was involved in recruiting. And it had to do with sameness, rhythm, discipline, authoritarianism, all the patriarchal things, camaraderie. And then when you left that system, when he left that system, he felt isolated, lonely, um, untethered. Mm. And how to uh, build something that is more circular that binds us together rather than more pointed or linear. Yeah. And I think men yeah. can begin to do that as well. Mm. And in, in all of our systems. And to me, that is the feminine, whether men do it or women do it. The yeah. circular, the interconnected, the interdependent. You know, it's even like a, a dirty word, Zahara that we could yeah. be interdependent. It kind of smacks of codependent. Oh no, I'm an individual, yeah. I'm independent. This is, a, this is such a dangerous idea and ideal that our society is perpetuating, that we can be this individual and absolutely independent. We can choreograph our life all about us. Mm. This, that is the masculine ideology and the hero's journey. And I, it, for me, it doesn't translate to women. Mm. Yeah. I love it. I love what you said. We don't go to war in circles. I just love it. We, but we do dance in circles. Absolutely. So, this is so beautiful. <laughs> what a wonderful place to finish this one. I yes. think we will need to have another one because there's so much... So much richness in what you're saying. I just enjoy listening to you. Hmm. Uh, every now and then I have to remind myself that I have to put a question. So I, 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 I stop. Moana, is there a way that you, uh, the people can find about you? I can put this in the show notes as well. But um, anything that you want to say where people can find you? Um, yeah. I, ha I have a website, which yes. is sacredwisewoman.com. Mm -hmm. .com.au um, I'll also put it in the show notes yeah with the world as it is in this moment I, I uh, probably need to figure out how I'm going to move ahead my, my passion is around group work and uh, group work online has not really called me 
Um, maybe I need to work out how we all look like we're in little circles on Zoom instead of boxes, and maybe that would make me feel better. <laughs> I will share with you, there, there is actually now something on Zoom that you can put people in circles. Okay, excellent. <laughs> um, uh, and I also do work with men. I work with couples because I'm a yeah. counselor in private practice. So I'm yes. doing a lot of couples work at the moment because it's a very stressful time for families uh, here in Australia. Um, yeah, that's how people can find me online. And yes, I don't, you know, if my whole um, passion is around circling and, and group work and we're in a time for this moment and we don't know how long where that becomes something seemingly unsafe. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know uh, what happens to what I do. Uh, and it's, I certainly believe in its relevance, but uh, its accessibility begins to change. But I, I'm keen yeah. to, um, to learn. I'm keen to learn and to not allow whatever obstacles there are to yeah. give up on the importance of circular solidarity. The way of the crone. I'm not going to give up. I'm open to learn. <laughs> so people and couple can find, they can contact you through your website, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way. Okay. Hmm. Moana, it's been a heart pleasure and a body pleasure just to spend the time with you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come and talk to me. Thank and you, Zahara. Uh, it was way more fun than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't know we we're going to end here, but and no. I could go on for another hour, but maybe we'll keep it for No, next time. I think it's good. So thank, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. With love.